Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Randall was also in a very different situation, and I'm telling you what, I don't think he would ever do that to me, but I'm not going to put it past him. I've seen women who think their dudes would never leave them. And then they're left on their ass looking around like, why the Welcome to another episode over here at Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Vanderpump Rules, Winter House, and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills edition. That's right, guys. We're packing in three different shows into one episode. I'm trying, going to try my hardest to just keep it down to 30 minutes because honestly, I think Content wise, that's about all these episodes deserve. Did I love the Winter House premiere? Absolutely. With that being said, you know, there was just like, it was just more of a fun watch than a recapable show, if you will. So let's talk about it because I'm excited. And I don't know if I'm going to be recapping the entire series. I mean, I should just go ahead and do it because it's only six episodes and it seems to be really fun. But I also am like 50-50. This might be one of those shows that I just keep to myself, like a below deck or whatever. Like there are so many shows. Nobody cares about this. But there are so many shows that are, to me, as far as like my enjoyment, I, I just think that they lend themselves better to just watching them and moving on than than to full recaps. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Let's talk about what we came to talk about. Um, let's just start with Vanderpump Rules. So the crux of this episode are we're, of course, coming off of James and Raquel's Rachella engagement and how nice that was. And 
what else do we have? We have the family dynamic between James and Raquel's family, the family dynamic between Raquel and Raquel's family. Wow. Shocking reveal there. Um, situations, but the family dynamic between the Schwartz Sandoval household, Maddox household, you know, all, all these are relationships. I feel like people are really trying to call for a mid season, pull the plug on Vanderpump, but I say no, let them, let's just see how we do. We're only a few episodes in and it's good. It's not so bad that we should be like pulling our hair out and, and doing change.org or petit- petitions yet. Okay. Let everybody calm down. So like I said, Raquel's super happy. She's like, oh, I can't believe this is my life. Raquel and James FaceTime Raquel's mom and she tells him, oh, mom, I'm engaged. She holds the finger up and she says that it was a Tiffany ring and in a confessional, Raquel's like, all the princesses get their jewelry from Tiffany. And then we get to one of the probably, and this is really saying a lot, one of the darkest flashbacks of Vanderpump Rules history, which is that of Jacqueline. James's mom talking about how he took his first steps in Tiffany. This is a flashback from 2018. Oh man, what a, what a dark, dark time. Gosh, could Vanderpump Rules also be called mommy issues? You know what I mean? (laughs) There are a lot of people who have mommy issues and that's, wow. I'm really having like a relevatory moment right now. James, Saucy and Dana. Jackson, his mom, Brittany and her mom. I mean, I know these people aren't on, on the show anymore, but like, let's just call back history, history here. Hmm. Interesting. I know it's could come off as me like simping really hard for Sandoval and, and Ariana, but I did like this conversation just because it felt so natural and real where they're talking about, Ariana's kind of praising Sandoval for all his efforts into this engagement for James. And she's like, I can tell that this has you written all over it. This has your name all over this. And she says, you know, how could you say no if somebody proposes to you this way? And if Tom were to do that to me with nobody else here, um, I, you know, how could I say no? And she's also been saying um, there was a a missed scene, a deleted scene from last week. um, And I believe she's talked about this more openly that she has discussed freezing her eggs and not necessarily that this makes her want to have children anymore, but she just said that it was kind of like a a middle finger and F you to those people who were judging her for her stance on not having children. And now she's like, you know, I just feel like this is a a moment for me where I can have control over my body. And I think that's really cool. She's like, yeah, is it a really expensive fuck you to everybody? Yeah, but a fuck you nonetheless. Everybody gets back to the house. Raquel is like that just perfect, happy drunk. And Lala's like, are y'all going to be able to have sex tonight? Because... When Randall proposed to me, we were both so fucked up, we couldn't do it. And, you know, like, are you guys going to bump (laughs) pee-pees? And I love that. I love that Raquel couldn't even, she's such an angel. Lala said, are you guys going to bump pee-pees? And she couldn't even say pee-pees. She was like, of course we're going to bump tonight. (laughs) 
imagine the sex that James and Raquel have. Like, really think about it. Not in, like, a sexy way. Just, like, God, what happens? What happens, you know? Sheena makes a comment about how her boobs are telling her she's ready to go and feed her baby. So she and Brock get up to go and Brock leans over to Ariana. He says, yeah, welcome to married life, right? Like, oh, this is my new life. And in a confessional, Lala's like, welcome to parent life. You already have two kids. What do you mean? You're not, you're not about to get the dad of the year award. So then we see Schwartz take Sandoval aside and he asks him, how much was that proposal? Sandoval says it was 25,000. Um, he doesn't tell Schwartz at the time that he and James split it, but Schwartz's reaction, not to his face, because why would he do that? But in a confessional says, you know, we just put, took out equity in our homes to pay for this bar how does he have $25,000 to spend? Whatever. Um, but then Sandoval just says, like, he doesn't know how to do tiny, which, like, I know what he meant is that he has to do everything big. But, like, that was, like, hot to me, you know. Listen, it, it's just been a time for me. <laughs> so then Schwartz tells Sandoval that he is so impressed with this see through follow through on Sandoval's end with regard to the proposal that he is giving him carte blanche officially to name the bar Schwartz and Sandy's he doesn't like it he'll learn to love it but he trusts him and I just love that like Schwartz has was this his like little test for Sandoval (laughs) to like I want to see if you have any follow through sir what have you what have you done what have you done except for like, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Shorts swears to Sandoval that he, you know, he, you know, I think people are going to think that I'm caving into you, but I'm not. This is a decision that I've made of, of my own will. And in a confessional, Sandoval's like, well, I asked him if he was sure. And at this point, if anybody feels some type of way about the name, they're going to have to answer to Schwartz because this is what he told me. And he's right. He's right. So the next morning, everybody wakes up in a confessional. James is like, I just want to go around and, and yell that Raquel is my fiance. And then he gets the boom mic and screams into it and runs around the set like a very Tom Cruise like fashion. And somehow that was like more genuine and significantly less annoying than Brittany screaming, I'm engaged uh, at the balcony of the Kentucky castle. Like just thinking about Brittany screaming, that makes me want to jump out of a window, but this I found endearing and I'm not sure why. Also that morning, Schwartz decides to tell Katie that he has gone forward with telling Sandoval he wants to go with the name Schwartz and Sandy's. Of course, Katie's really annoyed by it. And she tells him like, you know, you just took 10 steps back. It's like one step forward, 10 steps back with you. And Schwartz is like, no, it's like two steps forward and one step back. And honestly, that's like progress for him. Um, Then James calls Lisa and she asks about the ring and we get the clarification. So, Technically, this is a Tiffany diamond. It's not a Tiffany ring. He says that he got this ring from a jeweler, a dealer jeweler that he knows really well. And the diamond is Tiffany. The setting is something else. Okay. He also says it was a $100,000 ring at one point. And I don't know if we're like go doing like 
Job rules from Arrested Development where he goes from having like a $1,500 suit to like a $7,000 suit. Like, I'm just wondering if at the end of this season, this is going to be like a, a million dollar ring. If you couldn't afford the Tiffany setting, but you could afford the diamond, how much is a Tiffany diamond? I guess is my question. And if you're going to spend a hundred grand, why not just get a full Tiffany ring? I don't know, but whatever. It's a beautiful ring. I'm just very confusion about the origin, the whole thing. Then James says that everything, the whole day was perfect. The only thing that was missing was Max. And Lisa's like, yeah, well, I just don't think he's ready right now. And in a confessional, Lisa says that Max is done, but she thinks that James needs Max on his side. And I just have so many questions as to why, why, (laughs) like, why are we even entertaining this storyline? Why are we, is this Lisa's subtle way to get Max on the show officially? Do you really believe in this love between James and Max? Do you really believe that your son should continue being in a friendship with somebody who tried to fight him, flicked water on him, called him a fat cunt and told him that's why he was single. You know, I don't, it's the math ain't mathing for me. But anyway, then James tells Lisa that he is actually going to like a post engagement celebration with his family and Raquel's family or some of Raquel's family. And, you know, we know that there's some sort of, there's some sort of discord between, James and Raquel's family. And he just knows that they're going to have a lot of questions for him. So then we get the answer that I think a lot of us had been curious about as to what is going on with Tom Schwartz and Katie's fertility journey. So at this point, they're telling us that they have decided to test both of themselves, uh, Tom is going to get his sperm checked. She's going to get her situation checked out. And, uh, you know, Katie says that they made a concerted effort to try to have a baby in summer of 2021 and nothing happened. So Katie and Tom are kind of talking about Tom going to the sperm and dropping off his donation. And he tells Katie that he has employed Sandoval to come to the house, uh, be a a tool of support, if you will, for his uh, journey down um, jacking himself off. I don't know. Um, And then he was also concerned about not making it to the doctor on time. To which I say, do not have a baby with this child, Katie. Don't, don't, don't. (laughs) I know this is for the show, but still. Like, do you really want to have a kid with somebody who exclusively wears Adidas slides? Like, let's really think about that. So Sandoval shows up over to Tom and Katie's place with another one of his kits. This time, an all-expansive, uh goody bag for the man who needs to deliver a specimen to the lab. So it included lubrication that Tom says he specifically decided not to get the warming one because he knows that Schwartz likes a cold hand job. Um, The Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle, which he is very quick to explain that this is just on loan. It's not for him to keep. And I just know that Ariana had this conversation of like, you know, those candles are really hard to get. They sold out immediately. You have to bring that shit back. Um, and 
a face mask, one of those face shields. And so he doesn't, um, you know, come in harm's way of the splash. And Lord, if you think for one second that Schwartz has the type of um, machinery that's going to be so forceful that it could go anywhere near his face. Um, LOL, sir. I mean, I don't really want to get into like aerodynamics, but let's be real. If anybody has just the laziest, I bet Tom has an orgasm and then he probably doesn't even come until like a month later. Like it just, just comes drip. (laughs) Sorry. That's so gross. (laughs) Let's move on please. And quickly. And I apologize. Please don't come for me for that. But let's be real. Like if anybody has lazy semen, it's Schwartz. Um, we get the the timer, the countdown of how long it took Shorts to finish, how long he was up there. Sandoval's pacing. He's playing basketball off of those back of those, like, you know, back of the door hoops. And it took Shorts 16 minutes. Now, I don't, I don't have a penis. I don't know what it's like to have private time with your penis. I am under the impression that when men are having people with penises are having sexy time on their own, it's usually more of like a, an efficiency situation. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe sometimes you light a candle and like really romance yourself, but usually it's just like get in and get out. Right. So 16 minutes really like that sounded right to me. It sounded I just like imagined Schwartz up there. Like, remember that time he said that he wanted to be a, a waiter for a pump. And then he freaked out after the first cocktail request and was just like pacing around. That's what I imagined. He's just the first like four minutes was him just like, Oh geez. Oh gosh. Just like rubbing his hands through his hair and like walking back and forth through the kitchen or the bathroom. And then like, I don't know, maybe doing a quick Uber eats order for some Taco Bell later. And then being like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Katie. Oh, um, let me think about anybody else, but my wife. Oh, okay. I'm done. You know, anyway, enough about Sandoval's or Schwartz's sperm until a second later, we have to talk about it in a minute, but there's just a quick scene where we see uh, James Rock dropping Raquel off at work and he's like talking to her like she's a child about the engagement ring and she's really excited to show it off and wear it at work and show Lisa and all of that. And James is like, actually, I think this might be the last time you wear it to work because I just don't want you to ding it. And she's like confused the sort of confused that you get where like I think I'm right but I'm not totally sure and she's like isn't a diamond like the strongest and he's like no no you can ding it it's so expensive and you know just (laughs) it's like I don't think that's right but she really didn't challenge him so he also bought an oculus for Max and Raquel and Max are going to be working the same shift so he makes Raquel drop off this mask or the Oculus, whatever, and as like a mea culpa, a peace a gift for to hopefully bring them back together. I love the honesty of James being like, I've said sorry to Max a million times before. I know I can't do it this time without some sort of gift. <laughs> like I got to level up now so he knows that I'm serious. Um, yeah, so Tom and Tom go to talk to Lisa. Schwartz pulls out a quote-unquote sperm sample. Lisa freaks out. And I just, like, hate these pranks. I don't understand why we're doing these, like, weird pranks with Lisa and Schwartz. 
Because last remember, remember last season where there was that prank where Lisa put her bra in his in his uh, luggage when they went to Vegas and it was this whole thing about him having her like why the fuck would she have it? It doesn't make any sense. So why would you pull out a an alleged sperm sample and show it to your boss and hand her the cup as if it was real? It didn't make any sense. I noticed the sperm sample immediately and was like, oh, that shit's fake. That's like some Jergens, Avino, Cetaphil. I don't know what it was. But they were very quickly like, oh, you know, it's a joke. That's actually yogurt, which was exactly my thought. They took it. I thought they were about to take it too far, but then they didn't. Thank God. Shout out to Lisa, who said exactly what I was thinking, which was um, I've seen enough sperm in my life to know that if that sample was Schwartz's sperm, then that's exactly what's wrong and why they can't conceive. <laughs> anyway, now I'm trying to think, what was the point of Tom and Tom going over to Lisa to just show her some yogurt and a sperm cup and then leave? I have no idea. <laughs> Anyway, the point, the part that I really want to talk about is this stuff with Lisa, or excuse me, Lala and Sheena. So clearly Lala's still feeling the impact of this conversation that she heard with Brock talking about his kids and how he hasn't seen them in four years. And so then we see in this episode, Lala and Sheena going baby shopping. And Sheena tells us just in typical Sheena fashion that she has to keep the outfits just in constant circulation with summer because summer is an influencer. Okay. She had more followers than her father before she was even born. And so the Sheena Marie guarantee is that you will not ever see summer moon, honey Davies in a, in a, a repeated outfit. Okay. That that's the Sheena Shea guarantee. Now I'm just going to offer a warning. I, um, having like a little bit of something come up. So I don't know, like just be forewarned that like something might come up um, vocally for me as I'm talking about this scene. Sorry in advance. You guys, this was like the perfect, perfect conversation to be having with all of the stuff coming up with Lala and Randall. It's almost so perfect that you have to wonder if maybe this was planned because they kind of knew how the season was going to go and to have such drama that is specific to the drama that Lala's currently allegedly dealing with. It's just very interesting to me. I don't know. I don't know. Sound off in the comments if you're uh, picking up what I'm putting down. Anyway, Lala starts off the conversation and says she wants to know, Sheena, how did Brock tell you that he had two kids? Lala, excuse me, Sheena says that he did it the first day. He showed pictures of him, of the kids on the phone the first day they met. And Lala's like, well, didn't you think that it was strange that he hadn't seen them in four years and, or however many years at this point? And Sheena's like, well, uh, you know, Brock was very open from day one and in a confessional, Lala says, I don't care if Brock looks like Aquaman. I don't care if he is Jason Momoa himself. When a guy says he has two kids that he hasn't seen in four years, that's not the moment where you say, oh yeah, I think I want to have a child with him. So then Lala asks what Brock's reasoning was for moving to America. And 
Sheena says that he wanted to come to this country for a better life and to provide for his family and that the mom, the baby mama slash ex-wife didn't want to. So she basically cut Brock's off, Brock off his family and him. So then Lala tells Sheena, listen, I'm not saying, excuse me. I'm not saying that you need to see it's, it's starting up already. I'm sorry. It's coming. I can feel it coming. Lala says, listen, I don't, necessarily think that you need to be living in Brock's past relationship. But when I rent Randall, he was in a very different situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was married girl, <laughs> anyway, but she's like, and I'm just telling you that I just don't think that Randall would ever do that shit to me, but I wouldn't put it past him. So, <clears throat> so sorry. It's coming. You guys. Oh, here it is. An old man turned 98, he won the lottery, and died the next day. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. That really came out. And I I don't know where that came from. I'm so sorry. Then in a confessional, Lala says that she's seen women who thought that their dudes were different, and then they get left on their own, and they're left to wonder, how could they be so stupid? It's a black fly. Near Chardonnay, excuse me. Um, and then Lala tells Sheena that she's just not going to turn a blind eye to Randall and be such a dummy in this situation. She doesn't want to be a dummy to uh, Randall's past. It's a death row pardon. It's minutes too late. Sheena says that all she can say is that Brock is an amazing dad. She can't ever see him doing anything to fuck that up. And in a confessional, Sheena says, listen, I know that my track record does not bode well. But on the other side of that, Lala doesn't really know Brock. And she just really needs her to see what amazing dad and father he is. But instead, she's just seeing in Brock another guy that Sheena dated and a guy that she got super excited about. And another guy who's probably going to leave her because that's what all the other ones have done. So then Sheena tells Lala that, listen, the reason Brock, it's not for lack of trying that Brock has not tried to have, uh, you know, a conversation or a a relationship with his kids. He drinks out of a mug with their faces on it. His, the kids pictures, the background of his computer screen. And it's just really sad that he doesn't get to see them. And so Lala tells Sheena that she just doesn't want to seem like she's going that hard on her, but she just hopes that, you know, if the situation, if history repeats itself and Sheena finds herself in a situation where she's telling Brock, Hey, I don't want you to be involved in my kid that he'll fight a little bit harder than he did for the first batch. Anyway, that was absolutely the scene of the episode for me. And gosh, there is a word for all that advice that Lala was giving Sheena in the wake of what we know now. I can't seem to think of the word, but there is a word for that. Don't you think? Anyway, um, so James and Raquel, they go to lunch. So we have Jacqueline. James's mom, who is, has been sober for a little while. James says that his relationship with his mom used to be really rocky. I mean, we all know that, but their relationship now that they're both sober is like totally different and in a much better place. 
Jacqueline did definitely seem to be in a much better place. I don't know if that place was uh, the planet that we all are existing on, but she seemed happy. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, the only members of Raquel's family that arrives are her brother-in-law, Greg, and her sister, Katie. So we get into the family dynamics of Raquel. Now, I hope I say this in a way that makes sense because I'm a dumb bitch. It barely made sense, sense to me. So Raquel and Katie are biological sisters, but in a way they're also cousins because Katie's older. Their mom had Katie and then she had an oopsie and Raquel was, she was embabied with Raquel, if you will. And this was at the same time that her sister, Katie's aunt was trying to have a baby. So, uh, yada, 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 not a whole lot of details as to what happened, but Raquel ended up being essentially adopted by her aunt. So Raquel's mom is her biological mother and her aunt and her aunt is her adoptive mother and her aunt. So her sister is her biological sister, but also her adopted cousin. Okay. I'd also be curious to know if because Raquel and Katie seem to have like a pretty decent age difference between them. I wonder if they have the same father because maybe they're also only half sisters and cousins. I, I really need to know. I need somebody to write this all down. So everybody sits down and it's like, mm, it's okay at this point. James is clearly terrified of Katie. They clearly have a history that is, you know, Katie's very protective of uh, Raquel and just has a lot of questions. I mean, it's James. We all get why she might be a little bit hesitant. So Raquel tells the group you know, oh, I just, I was working earlier. I showed Lisa my ring and I ran into Max and I gave him your gift. And James is like, oh, great. What happened with that? And Katie's like, what do you mean you gave him a gift? Why couldn't you do it your own? And James is like, well, Max has me blocked. <laughs> also, I'm not allowed to go back to surf. So there's that. Um, so then he gives the real reason for what happened. The little dust up between, you know, the, the, the battle of the split salad and Katie is just like disgusted that he would behave that way as she has every right to be. And Katie's response is like, Oh, so you cause issues, whether you're, you're sober or drunk. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so James did reveal that he was like, you know, you know, I did, we got into a little bit of an issue and I did like delicately dip my fingers into my water and I, issued him the sacrament and then I called him a fat cunt and told him that's why he was single and you know oops oopsie <laughs> Jacqueline James's mom's Jacqueline's responses well you know who says who says every you know people have feelings they're allowed to express them who are we to say what everybody's allowed to say everybody's on their own path and then everybody does that look of when somebody says something absolutely wild and out of pocket and you don't know what to say. And so you just have to move on. Just completely ignore her. Jacqueline, keep on with your truffle fries and try to keep up, girl. 
So Raquel tells Ma- uh, James that she told Max that James misses him. And Jacqueline's like, great. Well, you're on the red track. Great. That's so good. <laughs> so then Katie is just like, I just don't want Raquel to be in a position where there's this precedent sent where she is having to, you know, be your firefighter and have to fight your battles for you. And I just don't want her to be in that position. In a confessional, Raquel says that she's just trying to help James. um, And Katie's really never been supportive of their relationship because of James's drinking. And yeah, like I said, Katie just says, James, you need to be more uh, aware of how your behavior might reflect Raquel uh, and her job, because there might be a day when you're giving a gift to somebody and they don't want to accept it. So the episode ends with uh, Tom and Katie and Ariana and other Tom going to have dinner at Tom Tom. And this is like supposed to be like a come to the head sort of moment. So first we have a conversation between Lisa and Katie and she's talking about her uh, fertility journey and how they were really trying and putting a concerted effort in. But then month after month, nothing would happen Her friends were having babies. She was just feeling very frustrated. And so it's not like they're not trying, but she also just didn't want to put so much pressure on it to the point where it would turn into a chore. So they kind of like decided to take a break. Um, So then everybody gets back together and Tom Sandoval and Katie kind of come to blows. Katie obviously still wants to work as Mater D for the new restaurant. And Schwartz even, I mean, not to the surprise of absolutely nobody, Schwartz does not defend Katie. And he says, listen, uh, you don't really have the best, like, bedside manner, basically. (laughs) You don't really like talking to people. So I don't know if this is the best idea for you. And Katie is just like, you know, I used to work with my... Uh, at my mom's restaurant for years growing up and it taught me all these lessons and the value of a dollar. And I just think that this could be like another iteration of a family business. We could have our kids and train them and, you know, they can do the thing that I did growing up. So Tom Sandoval basically lays it out on the line and it's like, he's, his issues stem from the issue with a couple of years ago with Stassi's book party. So they were going to have that book party at Tom Tom and there was a confusion over stuff. And then it ended up in a, a fight between Tom and Stassi, which ended up involving Katie. And she like publicly undressed him in front of everybody that showed up to that book signing. And Tom's like, I just, I can't have that. It's really unprofessional. And I just don't trust you. In a confessional, Katie's like, that's not the issue. Listen, like, it's not at all. He's not worried about something that happened two years ago. He's worried about somebody, um, about having somebody around who isn't going to basically kiss his ass and lie and tell him that he's a genius. So then Tom starts talking about how Katie has a tendency to rage text. And I used to hang out with Sheena and out of nowhere at two o'clock in the morning, she would just get walls and walls of texts from you for no reason whatsoever. And, you know, it's, 
like I just can't I can't trust you basically and even Ariana sticks up for Katie and says you're talking about things that happened years ago she doesn't rage text people anymore you know it's not really like that like you gotta let that shit go in a confessional Ariana says I understand that his past experiences with Katie are coloring the way he feels now but he just needs to say that like just be upfront and say I don't fuck with you because of this instead of kind of being passive aggressive and kind of walking around it. Right. So then, you know, Tom says that he feels insecure or he has reasons to feel insecure because Casey, Katie has a tendency to be very entitled with her feelings and he has receipts. So fuck you for making me feel like a psycho. And then he gets up to take a breather and say that he's tired of being cornered while everybody's yelling at him as he's walking away like come on like grow up and we see him out in the alley having a cigarette which was you know just like a a warm hug for me just to see somebody in a screaming like these are the moments these are the moments where somebody gets a fight starts between two people it ends up between a fight between everybody one person has to go off into the alley to smoke a cigarette and that is classic vanderpump rules so thank you this is why we should continue watching the show let's move on to real housewives of beverly hills why didn't you leave tom sooner where was i going where weren't you going you're on a hit tv show you have a career hold on i was not in control of my finances i walk out with two credit cards They get cut. Am I going to call you? Am I going to call you? Who am I going to go call? I know what you make on this show. It ain't bad. I gave every paycheck to my husband. All right, y'all. Beverly Hills. Something that I really just want to get through pretty quickly because there was stuff. There was definite stuff there. But I feel like usually we get a high note with the first episode and maybe we'll get some highlights with the the last episode but these like middle episodes don't tend to be very explosive so yeah here's my thing you guys y'all know that I'm a bit of a contrarian (laughs) at times and I was not able to watch this live so I like to just kind of dip a toe and see where everybody's pulse is at where what they're thinking and then watch it and see how I feel oftentimes I feel like I'm in the minority (laughs) and I feel like whatever the general consensus usually tends to be I feel like I'm not part of that and yeah I think that this happened again with the Erica of it all. I saw a lot of people saying that they believe her more, they empathize with her more, that they liked her. Um, and I'm here to say that if you did not feel those things, welcome. You're in a safe space. There are donuts in the corner and coffee and some juice. Um, we're here. There are dozens of us and I'm here to support you. So, we knew last week that the episode that part two, the, like the first half or 20 minutes or whatever was going to be about Erica and Tom's relationship and a little bit into the widows and, and burn victims of it all, if you will. So start off immediately. 
Andy asks Erica about Tom and his cheating. He asks her how long he's been seeing other women, and she says years. And then when Andy asks if she had been cheating, she takes a beat. She takes a cute, a couple beats, to be honest with you, and says, well, uh, no, not since I got divorced. No. <sighs> okay. Okay. I don't think anybody would have been mad at her if she said, hey, I found he was cheating and so I decided to get mine. Nobody is going to knock a good looking, uh, moderately young person for wanting to have a penis in her life that isn't signed up to AARP. Like that's, I don't think anybody would shade her. See, this is the parts that Erica that make her feel inauthentic and inauthentic. It's that she doesn't reveal the things that I think she could and that people would understand. And that makes her more separate and more closed off and less human, like, and hard to empathize with her. And in my opinion, anyway, then we see a montage of uh, Erica and her uh, diametrical opposite behavior of her in Tahoe talking about how much she loves Tom, respects the relationship that he just lets her do her. And that's what she loves because she does the same thing. And then 72 hours after they all left getting the group text from Erica saying, you know, I want to let you guys know that I just filed for divorce today. Um, and we get the whole clip package of her talking about her relationship with Tom without the lawsuits involved and the package ends with you know the mascara tracks her around the world so Andy's first question is basically about how Erica in the past has a tendency to be very defensive about how her marriage is and then this and she says you know I was married for Tom with Tom for two decades there were good times there were bad times nobody's marriage is perfect Basically saying, I was being honest. But then there's that like, okay, but what happened? Why did we not ask the question? What happened in that 72 hours? Or did you know that you were... Clearly she knew she was going to divorce him prior to her going to that Tahoe trip. So why? <laughs> you know, Why? Um, that's really almost more... Not It's definitely not more important. Make no mistake. I don't think figuring out if any, what Erica's involvement is with this money is the utmost of importance as kid, this people deserve their money back full stop. But as a Bravo fan and as a Housewives fan, the other thing that I find myself very interested in is the divorce, the timeline. Why I think we probably could have honestly gotten her gotten her on a couple things. If he had asked her more questions about why now, why did you choose to jump ship then? Why did you, you know, do you see how this looks, you know? So Andy does ask, you know, why didn't you not leave earlier? And she does the canned response of where am I going to go? Andy says, well, I know what, checks you make from Bravo and it ain't bad girl. So Erica then reveals she gave all her checks over to Tom. Now I feel like this could be her trying to slither her way out of something because 
it's it wouldn't be surprising to me that she gave her checks to Tom. Like, it makes sense that you, he's the lawyer. He's probably the one reading through and negotiating contracts for you. He's obviously the one with more money. He's got the accountants, the money managers, what have you. You give your check to him. I don't think that that is totally outside the realm of possibility, nor did I find that particularly shocking. The women, and by the women, I mean uh, her little uh, acting, uh, local theater acting crew that she's got and Kyle, Lisa, and Dorit, they were acting like, oh, you did? You give your checks? Like, okay, I mean... Do you th- does Kyle give her check to Mauricio? No. Does she give her check to uh, the accountant that they both share? I'm sure they do. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> to act like this was just like, oh, so, so crazy that she gave her checks to him. I just didn't really think it was that, like, bombshell information. And if the other excuse is that, yeah, I had money and I made money, but I did not have access to my own money, then that's a conversation that you need to have with your lawyers, no? Like, where... Um, I'm just very confused. That seems like... I, I don't know. So Andy asks, well, I mean, California is like a 50-50 state. If you stay married for 10 years, you guys didn't have a prenup. So presumably you would have been entitled to half of his estate. And she's like, well, and so he asks, are you? And she's like, well, I'm entitled to half of these lawsuits. And he's like, well, that's not my question. And she's like, well, that's my answer. Like, yeah, I would be, but there is no money. And what there is, what remains are a bunch of lawsuits that I'm on the name of. So yes, that's the 50-50 that I'm dealing with. By learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So then Andy asked a question that we all wanted to know, which is, did you file for divorce because you knew the ship was about to sink? And Erica says, it wasn't the ship that was about to sink. It was Tom. And that he was shutting her out. He wasn't communicating. And you guys see all those pictures of him outside of his, um, she did not call it assisted living. She called it like a mental I can't remember what she called it, but she, you know, basically like you guys see him there's memory care, a memory care facility. Um, you've seen those pictures of him outside his memory care facility with the black eye and he's looking disheveled. And um, the interesting thing that I thought is that she did kind of go back and admit that she did left leave because the ship was sinking because she says in Tom's line of business, it's not unusual that he would ha- have a bunch of lawsuits. And I think we all know that, right? Totally fair. Doctors and lawyers get sued all the time, right? But she started freaking out or her ears started perking up when she was having her name attached to these lawsuits. And she says that she spoke to her own lawyers when things started happening, but she's not at liberty to say when she began to seek out her own counsel. Why? Why are you not at liberty to say y'all see what I mean <laughs> so Andy asks her why she's not divorced yet she says that it they have to have like a comp- competency hearing obviously he's part of a conservatorship now so you know that all made sense to me so then Andy asks why Erica told Garcelle that there were no other women in Tom's life and she says well it was because of the woman that it was we all know that it was that judge and that actor of the fact she found out that there were other women and then she says that she found out she knows of three she found out about two prior to the divorce and then she found out about another one the day that she left and how she found out Now, let's talk about this, is that she went through Tom's phone again. He has, like, an old brick flip phone. There was a titty picture on it. And so she texted on that, like, T9 keyboard, nice tits, stupid bitch, and sent it. But she couldn't figure out how to do the space because it's, like, those old school keyboards. So it was just all one word, nice tits, stupid bitch. Um, Didn't she say that she drove him to work that day? So you saw that text before you left, you took him, you dropped him off at work. You said, I love you and left and then took your shit and and went. So, you know, I just, I just have questions. And really, I think that's kind of the key to everything is when did you file? When did you start seeking out your own counsel in terms of a divorce? When were you thinking that you were going to leave? How long has this been in the works? These are the questions that I want answers to. 
And these are the questions that Erica is going to turn out to be the most evasive about because it really paints a picture of the timeline. This is the important stuff to me, you know? This is what, this is, I think, where we really would be cooking with gas. So then Andy turns to Kyle and asks why she basically didn't say anything to Erica if she had been hearing in these streets about Tom's, you know, cheating and stuff. And she's so uncomfortable. She's like crawling out of her skin. She keeps shifting her dress and her hair and she keeps looking at Erica for approval on what she can say and what's not okay to say and you know, she does that typical how Beverly Hills housewife thing, which is, you know, we all hear so many rumors about each other and, you know, it, it's just too, so much. And we don't even, we rise above, you know, we're better than that because everybody talks in this town in Beverly Hills, everybody has something to say. And she just says, you know, I had a feeling that Erica and Tom had discord in their relationship because Erica herself would make these little side comments. Like if Mauricio did something, she would say, oh, I wish Tom would do that. And she just knew on some level that Erica was not unhappy. So thank you for not answering the question, Kyle. Let's move on. So Andy then flash flashes back to the last time we saw Tom in 2019. The ladies all went over to the house and he was regaling them with stories of John Wayne and his son or whatever. And to explain that situation, Erica says that Tom is on a loop, that he's a master persuader, a master entertainer. He will not have been able to say at that point when they came over to the house what the ladies' names were, but he could tell that story. And then Erica lobs it over to Kyle and is like, Kyle, tell the story about your friend. So Kyle is like, oh, great. Um, I have this friend named, I think, Jen or something, but Jen has a parent who has dementia and that uh, she told Kyle, I can see a lot of similarities between Tom and my mom, that there's a vacancy there, that you know, her mom would also have good moments and bad moments and would be saying thing one at one point and be completely lost the next, like things that we all know about dementia, right? Like, are we on the fence about Tom's dementia still? Have we decided as a group to just not touch it? Have we decided that he does have it? Have we decided that we're unsure? I don't know. I'm still of the unsure thing I really want to be sensitive and that's the thing is when you find yourselves in situations where you don't believe people when with stuff like this it's like you want to be sensitive in case that is true but if it's not it's like oh that's vile you know but anyway then Lisa and Dorit chime in on oh that makes so much sense and I haven't heard this is brand new information Kyle Erica thank you you know what now I'm all of a sudden getting it because yes old people do talk on a loop and they do tell their old stories and he was telling stories that weren't current and gosh that does make so much sense and this is like erica maybe you need to calm down your wolf pack pack because they're not helping you either this like over exuberant over exuberant excited like golden retriever like um excitement to defend her it just makes it sound more like bullshit to me and I found that so annoying, so annoying that I think I'm just going to move on. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to point out from this segment um, is that 
they talk about the accident a little bit and she says something confusing about how she just really didn't want Tom to have surgery. She was, you know, after Tommy took a tumble, she was the one who discovered him. She was the one who knew about his mental state and that she had taken him to the doctor. She had gotten scans done. She had sent those scans to a close friend of hers who's in the medical field. And she says she sent those uh, scans to him and that she said, is this something that we need to take care of now? Because I don't want him to go under if he doesn't have to. And that person said, no, this is not an urgent thing. I can come see him in a week. Okay. Could you be more specific? Like the things they were so vague. I understand that to a certain, a certain amount of stuff she has to be vague about, but the other things I just feel like she didn't have to be vague about. And this was one of those things that would really, for me, help paint a clearer picture of what's going on. She's just not doing herself any favors in the ways that I think that she could be and would keep people off her back. But I also think she doesn't really care. I don't know. I'm tired of this situation. (laughs) And that's the truth. One listener or viewer asked a question of why would you leave him when you knew he he was on a decline? And she said, just like the cheating that, you know, the cheating was just part of the reason why I left is what she said in part one. And now she's saying that the dementia was just part of the reason why she left. And again, it doesn't really answer a whole lot of questions as to why you would leave him in this time. It seems like she separates his mental decline with the other cheating stuff she always keeps saying that this is just a section of the issue i just so many too many questions and i I think i just have to tap out at this point (laughs) so andy asks did you love him or do you think that tom loved you and she says yeah i think he did at one point and then things changed he changed he asks her if she loves, if she ever loved Tom. And she said, yeah. And I think you can see that. And that was a very pointed thing that stuck out to me. It's like, nobody, why do we need to see it? Like, if the love to you was real, then like, fuck us, you know? <laughs> like, I don't need to see it. If it was real, then it was real. And, th- and let that be real to you. Like, it does not matter to me whether you guys were ever in love because we all knew and were introduced to you guys as a somewhat unique partnership, relationship, marriage situation. So appearances, the fact that she's still stuck on the appearance of that is interesting to me. Do I think that she loved him? I think she loved him in a very specific way, but I don't think anybody would say, I mean, there is like a certain section of people who would say that she didn't love him, but I think for the most part, people understand that they, they had an understanding and that's their business. Andy does ask about the widows and the victims. And she's still, again, very unsatisfying and vague and about her feelings. And she's like, you know, I hope it's not true. I hope that Tom wouldn't do something like that. And Andy says, well, even if there's a shot in hell, that that's not true. She says, it, it says, is there a shot in hell or a chance that what Tom did is not, in fact, the case? And she says, well, yeah, because you guys have only heard one side of the story. And even if, even as bad as it looks, there is still that chance that he is innocent. 
Okay. Um, then she says, whatever Tom has already done or did not do, that's on him. But a lot of his decision making has been pointed at me. And then she says, you know, Tom's life is over. He's in his 80s. He's in an assisted living facility. But I just turned 50 and I can't allow all of this to destroy me and take me to a place where I can't recover because I have to survive. And that's why I'm so feisty. And then she says, I'm not angry, but I'm angry. Then we move over to Dorit's segment. Honestly, it was so boring. I don't even remember what the clip package was. I started doing other things on my phone. I looked over. I happened to look over at that very fateful moment where Andy has to swallow a yawn because Dorit's talking. And, you know, Dorit's like, oh, am I boring you? And Kyle's like, oh, you're never boring, honey. (laughs) Shut up, Kyle. (laughs) I love the subtle dragging of the viewer question that was asking... Uh, it was for Kyle asking if maybe Kyle is the problem because Carlton and a few other former housewives have said that she has a tendency to cut people off when they talk. And Dorit's like, I love that question. Thank you. Thank you, supporter, for asking me that. And then <laughs> Garcelle, the second shade of Garcelle being like, who's Carlton? And Kyle saying, exactly. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you better watch your mouth before your next computer gets hacked. I'll tell you that much. Then we get to the part of Dorit saying that all of her help is multicultural and how bad that looked. And, you know, Dorit goes into this like United Colors of Benetton, you know, that's not what I meant. And I just meant that they have my, I grew up in a diverse background and upbringing and I want my kids to do that too. Andy asks her if she knew how bad that sounded and she's like, well, you know, I just, you know, I don't use the right words. And wow. How is it that Dorit is so bad with her words when it comes to Garcelle? Why is that? It's a question for the ages. Then it was like, blah, blah, blah. Something about whether or not she's gotten a nose job. Who cares? That was such a throwaway scene. She says she didn't. Okay, great girl. I don't care. Bye. Um, then we get to Lisa's montage. Another absolute flop, literally just about Harry Hamlin shuffling around in his garden. And then whether or not Amelia's fucking Scott Disick, which she isn't anymore. So like, who gives a shit? She's trying to play like she was like being the even slightly protective mother who didn't like that she was her daughter was dating somebody older, even though she was like a pig and shit about it. Just, Oh, just like could not wait to tell everybody. Oh, do you guys know that? Did you guys see on radar online? Did you see on the blogs? Did you see that my, my daughter, Amelia Hamlin has a new somebody in her life. And Oh gosh, I wonder if I'll be able to keep up with him. You know what I mean? Or I wonder if um, I'm going to be calling Chris mother-in-law one day or gosh, um, uh, the sun shining, um, sun starts with an S. Um, speaking of, do you guys know who Scott Disick is? Because he's fucking my young daughter. Okay, but now we're supposed to act like she doesn't care. Fine. Okay, whatever. Lisa gives um, some Harry Hamlin sauce to Andy, and we're all supposed to act like this is, like, the greatest thing that's ever happened to her. I'm, you know, for a plethora of reasons, I don't fuck with Lisa Rinna, but I also don't appreciate the fact that I now am resentful of Harry Hamlin because of her. She, the way she acts like, the way she presents their relationship and also the way she presents how we are supposed to feel about Harry is like, they're not married. It's like, he's a guru. 
Like he's fucking uh, uh, Anand Sheila from from that cult they, where they all wore red. Like, who cares? Who is Harry Hamlin in this world? Noted actor. Noted um, Silver Fox. Great. Great. But he's not my daddy. <laughs> and I just feel like we're supposed to act like this is some sort of all-knowing whatever the fuck man and i just i don't get it and i'm not gonna keep trying the last segment is about kathy and her relationship with kyle andy asks kathy how she feels seeing kyle talk about their strained relationship over the years on the show and kathy says that it was difficult because she hadn't really even seen those scenes because she didn't watch the show um until she saw the flashbacks of it this season and Andy says, listen, I know you weren't happy about the first season of Housewives, specifically that limo scene between Kyle and Kim, as well as uh, chronicling Kim's issues with drinking, issues, addiction issues with drinking. And Kathy says that it was difficult for her because she just kept thinking about their mom and how to handle it. And she says that she kind of understands Erica a little bit because there was a part of her that has been holding things in. And Andy asks Kathy how many episodes of American Woman she's seen. And she says, well, I don't really watch much TV, but I did see the trailer. <laughs> I mean, me too, girl. No, nobody else. Don't be embarrassed about that. Nobody else watched it either. Okay. Um, so then Andy asks, well, do you think that maybe if you had actually watched a show that your opinion would have been different and maybe it would have changed things? And Kathy says, no, bringing up my mom is very difficult for me. Uh, it's so difficult to the point where I can't even talk to my mom's friends because it's so hard. And she just starts to break down and cry. Kyle's trying to console her. And Kyle says to everybody, I think it's really difficult for Kathy to talk about our mom and anything that has to do with her. And the episode ends with Kathy just sobbing in Kyle's arms and Kyle telling her that, hey, our mom's watching us. And she's so happy that we're back together again. And yeah, that was the end of part two. Now, we've already knocked out Lisa and Dorit and Garcelle. And a good bit of Erica. So why do we have two parts left of this, ep of this reunion? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Mm. Anyway, now on to Winter House. Wait, we don't have any Parmesan. Cheese is my favorite food. My teacher in women and gender studies class said, what would you give up, oral sex or cheese for the rest of your life? It's the best question I've cheese. ever been asked. In my really? No, I'm giving up oral sex. I'm taking cheese. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. You would give up oral sex for cheese. A thousand percent. You can still give it. Don't switch the rules of your own question just to favor yourself. You can still eat out a girl as much as you want. You just can't receive blowjobs, Jesus Christ. I will eat cheese over dick any day of the week. What a year, sister. What a year. Speaking of All cheese, right, where's the Parmesan? Pop on our snowshoes or whatever and head on over to Stowe, Vermont for the premiere episode of Winter House, a show that in one episode just gave me and I feel like a lot of people just everything that we felt like we were missing. I'm loving it here. Love it. Everybody pulls up to, like I said, Stowe, Vermont, a place that 
Paige says makes her want to make applesauce and homeschool her children. So we get the explanation for the location and all of these extra models that are running around. So Stowe is a place where Kyle used to vacation a lot. He's used to, he's like a little snow bunny. Um, I guess his grandma lives down the street from the house that they're staying at. So he's very familiar with Stowe. Um, and the reason why we have all these, uh, extraneous, uh, people from central casting is that Paige's friend, Paige's friend named Julia, Julia has invited a third of the <laughs> housemates over in addition to who do we have from summer house, Lindsay, who we haven't seen in this first episode, Kyle, Amanda, Paige, Sierra, and Luke, in addition to uh, Austin and Craig from Southern Charm. So, uh, Austin and Craig are the first ones at the house. Austin says he's excited to be there because he's three months single for Madison. And we all know that Austin has a, we all know who Austin is. I mean, let's not even get into it. Um, the first newbie we meet is Doja Cat, AKA Gabby. Um, Gabby is friends with Julia, who we very quickly find out Julia will not be arriving that first day because she missed her flight. So it's just going to be a bunch of new people with the old people and no connection between them <laughs> whatsoever because Paige doesn't even named, seem to know Julia's friends. Um, so the issue, you know, as we are used to with these Bravo shows is with the accommodations, right? So there are, I think, 12 people, nine bedrooms, uh, one couple. So there's going to be some, some issues, right? Everybody assumes that Kyle and Amanda are going to get the primary bedroom because they're the couple. And when Gabby gets there, she picks out her room immediately, which just so happens to be the primary bedroom. And they're like, well, there is a couple that's coming here. And I think we all assume that they were going to take it. And Gabby's like, gosh, I'm a real bitch. Anyway, see you guys. I'm about to unpack into that primary bedroom. So thanks. To be fair, though, when Amanda and Kyle do show up, Gabby does offer the primary bedroom. But Kyle's or excuse me, Amanda's like, you know, I just don't really want to ruffle any feathers. I just want to make sure as long as we have a bathroom and a closet, that's all we need. You know, whatever. We're willing to take a different bedroom. Um, so Craig is still with that chick, Natalie, who he says that he's been with for about four, for like 10 months at this point. And he says he loves her to death, but he's going to go on this vacation to take time to see if he misses her, which is probably not something you say when you just said that you love somebody to death. Seems like you would always have already have the answer to that. But what do I know? He also says that 10 months is a make or break moment where you either uh, decide to break up or you pop the question and he's really not trying to break up with anybody. Now this sounded more like a, I just can't be bothered to break up with somebody. Like I'm not in the mood to be a single person. Not like I'm really motivated to be with this specific person, but we all know what happens. So let's not even harp on it. We don't need to dissect something that we know <laughs> he's about to be in Paige's cheeks in about five minutes. So let's move on. Speaking of Paige, uh, she's fully single. She's out here in these streets. She's ghosting and getting ghosted alike. She's having a great time and she's looking to um, have a better time in the winter house. 
Then we meet Jason, uh, the guy that I think turns out to be Lindsay's love interest. Um, and Jason is a guy who looks like he was just destined to do like Kmart modeling where he's the father of some sort of uh, racially indeterminate child. You know what I mean? Like he just has that very commercial look and it's no shade to say that he looks like a Kmart model. He, he just has that face. Y'all know what, like look at his face and tell me that you would not see him or old Navy, maybe gap for the holidays campaign I, you know you know what I mean like you, you just seem like you would see him in a fair isle sweater or some you know uh moderately priced tr- swimming trunks or something like that then we meet Andrea Andrea is Italian and if you didn't know that he will let you know with his extremely thick accent which seems um uh <laughs> Uh, I don't, it's not fake because he's clearly Italian, but it just seems exaggerated. Exaggerated would be the word for that. Um, everybody's in love with him immediately, especially Paige. He, to me, looks just like, uh, what is his name? Lisa Vanderpump's indentured servant from season one. Oh, Cedric. He looks just like Cedric. And I think uh, he's just not my type. I did not like... Andrea, he's really ready for the camera. He's really clearly wants to be on TV. He's clearly has an agenda. He has the energy of somebody who should be on like Love Island or Too Hot to Handle. I don't know if he's like up to the prestige of the summer house. And that sounds like a joke. And I'm actually not joking. I just don't know if he's, I don't know. I don't, I hate it. He rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not attracted to him. Like, I get it. You've got abs, whatever. But if I just want to look at a guy with abs, I'll look at Luke. Thank you very much. Did, did we like Andrea? I just felt like there, maybe it was a combination of the girls acting so summer camp crush over him, fawning over him, and the fact that he was just laying that accent on so thick. I mean, at one point they bring in groceries and he's like, oh, I was <laughs> about to do his accent. Can't do it. Um, you know, please don't bring this uh, pasta sauce into the, like, next time go shopping with me. And they ask him if he cooks and he's like, no. Okay, so you just can't get, get off on the strength of being Italian, sir, and acting like you have opinions. You don't even cook. You don't even cook, bro. Anyway. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. At one point, Sierra goes so far to say that if Andrea is into brown girls, then she's it. And I just want Sierra to want better for herself because that's, that's such a yikes thing to say, girl. Hear it, hear it, hear it and reflect. So Luke shows up last that night and everybody takes a shot. And there was just something very heartwarming about a bunch of hot people and Austin gathering around a table to take their first vacation shot together. You know, an argument starts between Paige and Austin immediately over the rooms The page says that she wants a primary bedroom because she and Sierra are going to be sharing. So she's going by like Sonia and Ramona rules. Like we're going to be sharing a bed. So we need more space. But Austin tries to act like he has an opinion, despite the fact that he had already picked out his room before everybody got there and was not going to change. So he's mad at Paige for wanting the primary, even though he he shouldn't even be talking anyway because he already picked out his room. He and Craig. So, whatever. Anyway. Um, what happens after this? So, Kyle. Kyle, this was not a good showing for Kyle. Kyle was on his absolute worst behavior. I would say it was maybe worse than last season when he, um, you know, had to be copper-toned. Uh, by Amanda in order to not get into a fight with Luke. Um, So what he says that he ultimately wanted was for Amanda to do everything. (laughs) And this seems like a bad precedent to set. So what he wanted was for Amanda to tell the other girls that they can't have the primary bedroom because they were going to take it. But because she didn't do that, what he decided to do was to get wasted and be a nuisance and protest by sleeping all over various parts of the house that uh, looked completely inhospitable, like um, a chaise lounge that was about three feet long, a bathroom floor at about two o'clock in the morning. He headed over to there. At one point, he was standing upright, but leaned over so that he could put his head rest his head on the kitchen table. So he was in a perfect 90 degree angle. All of this as a protest because Amanda did not kick people out of the bedroom that he wanted. And so he doesn't want to sleep in any room. And so they end up getting the worst room, (laughs) which he complains about. Now he says, I'm going to need to, this is like Grand Central Station, this bedroom. Uh, We're going to have to, I'm going to have to wear a mask. I'm going to have to wear earplugs. And Amanda's like, you didn't have to do that last night when you were sleeping all over the bed, all over the house. You'll be fine. Okay. You will be fine. He did. He really kind of annoyed me. It's like he didn't even bother to look and see at the, uh, the other bedrooms looked. So you could have find some, found something that was like, okay. So you either want the master bedroom or to sleep on a kitchen table. Nobody cares, Kyle. Nobody cares about your little protest. (laughs) So Hub House is going to be showing up later. She FaceTimes with Austin. We find out that she and Austin have quite a good friendship because they were both there for each other when she was breaking up with that tiny man, Steven. Can't even remember his name next. And that she, when he was breaking up with Madison, that they would comfort each other in their times of need. But now they're both single. So who knows what could possibly happen between them? 
So everybody sits down for a dinner, a, a not Italian improved dinner of pasta and pizza. And Craig um, has a question for the group. So he says that when he was taking his women and gender studies class in college, his professor asked the most important question, the greatest question that he's ever been asked before, which is, would you rather give up oral sex or eat cheese for the rest, or would you rather give up oral sex or cheese for the rest of your life? And Paige and Craig both agree that they would give up oral sex for sure in favor of cheese, which I have to agree. Um, This ends up... (laughs) With a fight between Austin and Craig over the rules, because Austin fully disagrees and says, you know, I'm just, excuse me, Craig says, I'm just waiting for the oral sex to finish anyway, so I can get to the real thing. But then Austin, they get into it because Austin tries to create rules for the game and then Craig gets mad at him and is like, well, you can eat pussy all you want. You just can't get it, bro. Why don't you get that? And he gets very, um, <laughs> very, uh, animated for a question that isn't real and has zero consequences, Craig. But anyway, people end up basically filing into bed after that. At one point, Luke is in a red onesie, like a pajama onesie, trying to build a fire in the fireplace in his bedroom. And honestly, it was so hot. <laughs> I'm back on I'm thinking Luke is attractive. He got that haircut and that really did wonders for me. Last season was so difficult in Summer House because he had the long hair, no facial hair, and he needs to work with a winning combination, which is short hair, stubble. That's where he shines. That's what we need. That's the Luke that I need in my life. So back to the Kyle and Amanda of it all. It seems like they're really setting this up for potential discord between them this season. And I'm kind of here for it, kind of not. Paige has a conversation with Sierra at one point about how she is concerned for Amanda and how she doesn't want them to feel like an old married couple before they even get married and just like get into these weird, this weird dynamic where Amanda might have to stand up for Kyle or defend Kyle. She just thinks that it's not a great situation. So winter house is also going to be an investigative situation for me in which I try to figure out What is so attractive about Austin Kroll? Now, for me, I will admit, because I'm nothing if not honest with you guys, that I do, on my face, on its face, find Austin attractive in the sense that I am an absolute sucker for dimples. I am powerless against them. A man with a good dimple is just, like, so cute to me. And so in that respect, I do find Austin attractive. Everything else, no. I feel like his penis probably looks a lot like his body, which is like semi-hard and not really that great. Ultimately, kind of disappointing. Like it's like, it looks like there's potential there, but it just, you know, it never gets to full sail. 
I would honestly be surprised if Austin, Kyle, or Craig have had a full erection in the past five years. I would be shocked if they were capable. (laughs) So Paige asks Sierra how she's feeling about Austin. And she's like, you know, I really like him. He's so funny. So I'm going to put that in my file as to, okay, fun, humor, sense of humor. That might be the biggest thing that we're not seeing out of Austin. That is his ability to pull all these women, right? So... At that point, Andrea walks in and brings them both coffee. And he says the reason why he did that is because women are the most beautiful creatures in the world. And he just wants to make them happy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, So the guys decide to go skiing with the exception of Jason and Andrea. And Andrea says that he wants to stay back with the ladies. (laughs) So they play champagne pong and then they sit down for some hardcore truth or dare and Sierra asks Doja Cat what was the shortest amount of time from meeting somebody to having sex with them. She says 24 hours. And me and Austin are like, or excuse me, Jason are like, wow, that's a long time. <laughs> Can't relate, sis. <laughs> so then somebody asks uh, Andrea what his favorite sexual position was. And he says that he likes to pee. Okay. That he likes licking your pee. Your pee. No. (laughs) He spells it out. But he says the poo (laughs) S-S-Y. Okay. Okay, Andrea. Then Andrea starts saying something about how he he doesn't really like to talk about himself. And Amanda's like, yeah, we don't really either. (laughs) And Andrea turns the page and says, "Uh, I kind of feel like you do. And then he basically calls her a Regina George. (laughs) But Paige doesn't even care. Normally she would have fought somebody over that. But she says, honestly, I don't even know what he's saying. He's just so hot. Like, I'm not even paying attention to him. Um, So then the guys go skiing. They sit down for a little opera ski drink. And Austin asks Kyle, like, what was going on with you the night before? Because you were pretty hype, dude. And Kyle's just like, well, I was just so excited to be there. (laughs) But also that, like, he didn't know that he was going to have to explain himself to people. And, again, like, it was supposed to be Amanda's responsibility for her to read his mind and for have for her to have her check her friends out of this primary bedroom. And then Kyle asked Austin who he's into from the house. And Austin says, you know, Sierra's really pretty and he does the thing of asking Luke, hey, I know you guys used to have a thing. Would you mind? Do you, you know, are you staking claim on her? And Luke's like, yeah, if you guys talk to each other and you're feeling yourself, then go for it. Like, I've been very fortunate to date a lot of great women, a lot of beautiful women. <laughs> and Greg says, gosh, if I didn't like you, I would really hate that you said that. <laughs> Um, so then after that, finally Julia arrives and she tells us, and I love this bit of information, that she and Paige know each other from back in their child modeling days and that they met each other when they were 10, when they were doing catalog modeling for limited two. you guys, you guys, (laughs) what, what a story to be able to tell. I, they're so lucky. As somebody who was like a limited to girl, I was limited to down to the socks. This is being able to be a child model for them. 
bitch. Y'all wouldn't be able to take me. Um, at one point, Austin and Jason go grocery shopping for the house and <laughs> at the grocery store. Austin is in the checkout aisle and he goes, oh, bro, bro, my ex-girlfriend's on this magazine cover. And we see this little tiny picture of Madison at what looks like the very bottom of an Us Weekly cover from that week. And Jason's response was so funny because clearly he does not know who Madison or Austin is, but I'm sure he knew who JLo and A-Rod were. And Jason's like, dang, like your ex-girlfriend is on the cover of a magazine. He goes, wow, you must be famous or your girlfriend is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Austin is immediately annoyed. And this is like why I don't understand why girls don't, girls are so attractive to Austin, attracted to Austin because he, he is a, um, how do you say a poo SSY, if you will. Um, he lets Madison work his nerves and that's so unattractive. Like she's just on a cover of a magazine. She didn't show up in the soup aisle of the grocery store. Now you're feeling some type of way and you're slamming shit on the ground and, and what, what not, because she's simply on the cover of a magazine. Like get over it, bro. Why are you letting her sweat you like this? You guys have been broken up for three months and you're not, you're going to fucking spiral because you saw her on the cover of a magazine. Like, ew. So they get back to the house and that night it was going to be a spring break themed party. So, Austin says that he's really excited for, excuse me, Craig says that he's really excited for Austin to be in the house because he's got this everlasting tether to Charleston and to Madison. And if this vacation isn't going to bring him out of that with all these beautiful women in the house and he doesn't know what's happening, you know, he's kind of a lost cause. And Paige and Sierra are feeling themselves at this party. They're both talking to each other like, you know, when you get to that point where you just want to make out with somebody, I'm there. And Paige is like, yeah, I'm there too. Everybody gets in the hot tub and then slowly everybody conveniently files out of the hot tub except for Paige and Andrea and Sierra and Austin. And then what do we know? It's a too hot to handle moment in the hot tub or whatever. And everybody starts making out. So the people that left are now trying to take shots. Amanda notices that they left their vodka down by the hot tub. So she gets Kyle to go get the vodka. So he goes down there and finds out that it's basically um, sex soup down there in that hot tub. Paige's cheeks are out. They're both straddling Austin and Andrea, uh, respectively. And Kyle's like, oh my God, this is hot. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm a little upset that I even got to see this because I am jealous. And it's been a long time since I've made out with some random person in a hot tub. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so he goes back upstairs and is like, you guys are not going to believe what I just saw. Everybody in that hot tub was just making out. And Craig's like, you thought that we weren't going to believe that? I didn't think it was going to be anything else. (laughs) And then we end on a to be continued and we'll see what happens next week. I'm really excited about the show. 
I think it's going to be great. Great premiere. I'm, you know, if even if it's terrible, it's only five more episodes. And with that, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Thank you for uh, joining in with me on this wild journey of three shows. Love you guys. Bye.